0: I mean, there is nothing like opening that microphone and 40,000 people are there and saying, good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Oracle Park, the home of yours, San Francisco Giants. And then they go bananas.
1: That was Giants PA announcer, Renelle Brooks-Moon. I'm Jeff, and this is Storied San Francisco. In this podcast, Rinell picks up where she left off in part one. It started with a phone message from her childhood baseball team, asking if she'd be interested in trying out to be the PA announcer at the team's brand new ballpark. Rinell immediately thought of her mom and granddad, both baseball lovers who instilled an appreciation of the game in her when she was a kid. Fast forward from 1999 to today, and Rinell is about to kick off her 22nd season in the PA booth. Toward the end of this podcast, we talk about the pandemic and the uprising for racial, social, and economic justice. Here's Ronelle.
0: My mom is like the original gamer babe still to this day. The games are on the radio um, and TV at the same time. Um, but I called her as soon as I got, uh, I, I didn't call the Giants back. I called my mom first and say, you're <laughs> yeah. not going to believe this. Because, Jeff, I spent every summer with my parents and my big brother going to Candlestick Park. I mean, it's yeah. just how I was raised. We're such a baseball family. And, and my Uncle Ernie, as well, who um, was married to my dad's sister, the matriarch of our family, Aunt Lodi, who was the first of the family to migrate out west and, um, and kind of gave up her own hopes and dreams so that my dad and their younger sister could pursue their education Mm-hmm. um and and she was just such a she was ahead of her time she was such an independent woman and such a badass and just a, a great role model for me and just encouraged me and you know it was all about education education you know you get the good grades and you know we'll go on a trip or something you know what I mean she was just she was amazing Aunt Lodell Aunt Lodi we called her mm-hmm. but so yeah my brother had big dreams of being a, a major league pitcher and I remember going to his tournaments every summer down the Central Valley and in Stockton. It's just what we did.
1: Yeah. And I just yeah.
0: loved it from my my earliest memory. Um, so that's a little background on why it's such a huge honor for me to be the voice of my childhood team and yeah. the team that, you know, my parents, especially my mom, you know, love so much. It's crazy.
1: Can we hear just quickly a little bit about the actual auditions? Did they happen at Candlestick or at the New Park?
0: Yeah, they yeah the new park wasn't ready yet. This was right. uh, yeah this was no November nineteen ninety nine. So okay. yes, I did the I did three auditions, all of them at Candlestick, and the first audition was starting lineups, and um, in, in various um, different copy that you read throughout the game. You know, like. Get your three-pack of tickets. The Rockies are coming today, t- you know what I mean? Yes. <laughs> Visit sfgiants.com and grab your four-pack of tickets, you know, so yeah. those kind of promotional uh, copy that, that we read between Ings and, and public service announcements. So that was that was the first audition. Second one was very similar. After the second one, I got the call that it was narrowed down in one other. I didn't know who I was up against, and that's fine with me, because it would have probably gotten in my head. Yeah. But I later found out that they um, auditioned all female broadcasters Hmm. in San Francisco because they were the first team to hire um, a female announcer, my predecessor, Sherry Davis, who did the last seven seasons of Candlestick Park. So they didn't want to go backwards, which I I applaud them for. Mm -hmm. And but they wanted a, a woman with broadcast experience and no disrespect to Sherry Davis a fantastic job she won the job um uh there was an open call audition for fans oh. and um and i didn't even think to do that because i was like really super busy you know with my radio career and and loving that and and all that came with that and i also been doing some tv work for the oakland a's as a matter of fact oh. and i'm pretty oh. sure larry bear knew that and that's what kind of piqued his interest in inviting me to audition so yeah my my sports broadcasting career actually began with with the A's uh back in the Jose Canseco Mark McGuire, Bash Brother days. Oh wow. Yeah. So so wow. then I find out it's just me in another one and so I'm like well I'm going in. I'm I'm about to nail this. For the third oh, audition, right?
1: And I got it. How did that feel? I mean obviously there weren't fans but you know you're like you said you grew up going to games there and now you're you're auditioning for what would be you in a live setting with you know like you like you doing the twist with all those folks it's like (laughs) how did that feel for you renell oh my
0: god jeff it felt so amazing to hear my voice on the pa system at the party not just as a little girl with my parents but then you know my best friend in high school tina Shadowins, one of the few that you know accepted me at, at woodside And, you know, we loved the same things. We loved pop music and pop culture and sports, especially baseball and our Giants. So once we got our driver's license, we were driving ourselves to Candlestick and just, you know, just we we were gamer babes back then and stuff. I remember we would always go every year. There was an on-field photo day where fans could come to the game early and you could take pictures with the guys and, you know, and. We're like in high school and we're crushing on all of them. You
1: know,
0: (laughs) we love the sport, but we're also crushing on them and everything. But it felt amazing, Jeff. And I called my mom right after that first audition. And I said, mom, even if I don't get this job, what an honor and a privilege Mm -hmm. it was to be in that booth and audition and hear my voice echoing through Candlestick Park. And it felt so natural and so comfortable, Jeff. I wasn't nervous. Awesome. Um, I had no idea what they were going to spring on me, but I know that I know the game. I love the sport. You know, this is a team I, along with the A's that I rooted for as a little girl and as a teenager and a young woman. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think also my broadcast experience helped because um, one of the first things that Dave Scholl and my, my mentor said before I did that first shift at KFRC, he says, just imagine yourself in your living room with your girlfriends or your family and just be your authentic self.
1: Mm-hmm. just always be going up. on
0: yeah and it's i still do that i mean because you know the message was uh people respond to authenticity right. they don't respond when they can tell when you're putting on a fake you know, right. fake voice or an announcer voice or a broadcaster voice right right and um and also he said you know to visualize your audience once i got on the morning show it was like visualize your audience who are you talking to from from six to ten you're talking to families around the dinner table and parents getting the lunches ready and getting the kids ready or commuters sitting in their car or on the bus. And so I've always, I've always been able to visualize my audience without them being there, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And So that's, that served me well um, in my auditions.
1: I don't think it's an overstatement. Let me, let me see what you think about this, that because you said this experience happened to you. It happens to me. It happens to everyone I know who loves base, I think especially baseball,, uh, but other sports too, is that the 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 experiences of going to games, you know, way you start when you're a kid going with your parents or your grandparents or your friends and anyway the voice of the announcer is as much a part of those experiences as you know hot dogs and home runs and all the other stuff that comes along with it and now you now you are that voice does that what do you think of that it's just it's
0: it's bananas it's just it's absolutely bananas and I have to say that the fan base, for the most part, has really embraced me um, over the years, and I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that a lot of them, you know, knew me from the radio; they were already right. familiar with me, and I and I always talked about going to baseball games and the Battle of the Bay. I mean, they knew I loved the sport and loved the team, and I think they knew that I was coming in with the, with a great amount of respect yeah. for the position and for the team. But you know, it blows my mind today. You know, when people say, you know, I. I get goosebumps hearing your voice. I'm like, Oh my
1: God,
0: (laughs) you know, and and last season without the fans. And I mean, so many of my social media followers, like my God, we miss hearing you so much. And it just, it has just moved me. It has really just moved me. And again, I can't say enough about what an honor and a privilege it is to have this position and to have this, you know, historic fan base, you know, that's passed down generationally since 1958 you know, em- embrace me the way that they have, but it's still a trip for me when people say that, what my how my voice affects them, or mm-hmm. I, in fact, I did a, um, I did a PSA uh, at the ballpark last month uh, with a crew from Mayor Breed's office, and one of the guys on the crew, when I started talking, he goes, oh my God, I just got chills, and I was like, mm. oh my God, are you serious? <laughs> so, you know, and I didn't, that was something that never occurred to me, how it would a- affect people hearing my voice and yeah and this is my 22nd season and I will say that my my style has evolved over the years because here's, here's another situation where I'm the first and you know there wasn't anybody really to you know I was the only woman in the department at that time and I really had to figure it out for myself
1: mm-hmm.
0: um so it's it's just and I've, and I've gotten more relaxed over the years but you know those first couple seasons I was playing it playing it by the book. Cause I knew all eyes were on me. Just do it. Just play it straight. No chaser. Mm-hmm. You know, don't try to, you know, do too much extra. And, you know, over the years, I've, I've kind of relaxed um, my style a little bit and people seem to really, to really appreciate it. And, and it's, what's really special though, Jeff, is it's not just the fans. It's like, it's like our players, but it's visiting players yeah. that have reacted to me as well, which I I didn't, I didn't see that coming at all. So Mm -hmm. it's, it's been really fun. Kind of, you know, I have some Twitter relationships with some of the some guys on other teams. And Mm -hmm. um, so that's, that's been a real thrill for me. Cause I, I'm thinking, I mean, I appreciate you saying that the voice is as much of the experience, but I'm thinking nobody's listening to me. Players aren't listening to me, Oh no, but they are.
1: (laughs) It's there. It's like, and, and uh, at the risk of, you know, flattering you or making you blush. It's like the, your, specific voice and demeanor it's just I don't know it's embracing and it's comforting and soothing and it's magical and it's just as much a part of the uh, um, well now Oracle Park experience as you know the views of the bay or the glove and all that stuff so
0: thank you thank you for that 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 means a lot and yeah, it's, it's been, it's, it has been a magical experience for me and that I, I appreciate that so much. And When I, when I, you know, when I first got hired, I, my whole approach still to this day is I'm like your host for yeah. the afternoon, right? I'm going to guide you through this game. I'm going to pump it when necessary. I'm going to lay back when necessary, but. Tell my, us how to my, go my,
1: through the medical metal detectors when we're coming. That's right.
0: The dark. <laughs> yeah. And the disclaimer at the beginning of the game, yep. the evacuation video and everything. Yep. But when I, I mean, there is nothing like opening that microphone and 40,000 people are there and saying, good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Oracle Park, the home of yours, San Francisco Giants. And then they go bananas. Yeah. Oh, it's, there's nothing better than that. And then I've welcomed you. And now I'm going to guide you through this game. That's how I see myself as your host for the day.
1: Rinell, can we do a lightning round real fast? Because I do, uh, we're, we're running kind of close to an hour, but I, there, there's some things I want to do lightning round because I want to give a little more time to talk about more recent stuff. Does that sound good? Sure. Yeah. So lightning round, 2002 World Series. Nervous Wreck. 2010 World Series much more at ease okay because you've done it before what Mm -hmm. about and they didn't win here they didn't win any of them here right Mm -mm, nope but uh 20 was it 2012 when all those crazy like elimination games were happening and anyway 2012
0: insanity
1: yeah insanity blood
0: pressure went up (laughs) yeah
1: yeah and then uh i can't you know 2014 we can't leave that one out spectacular yeah. super relaxed for that one it's like well this is just what we do
0: okay yeah. people this is where we belong this is what we do um and also for all three of those to MC the uh rally after the parade yeah oh my god yeah. extraordinary what, what an experience all three of those were just just amazing i mean this job has just given me so many experiences that I could have never ever imagined and each one better than the
1: previous one. Amazing. As important as your story and your career have been, I really wanna kind of get us closer to the present moment um, and the two big things on my mind and I think a lot of people's minds are the Black Lives Matter slash you know, m- movement for social, racial, economic justice and this dang pandemic. So let's start with um, let's start with COVID and, and your experience with the Giants through that. I think I think for most folks, um, most fans, the first kind of thing was that uh, the games in Arizona stopped, right? Mm-hmm. But but what like what was your experience? What were they telling you? And and then. When games did start, what was it like to be at the stadium and without fans? What was that?
0: Yeah, I uh, I had a really really hard time uh, when we were like a year ago, almost exactly right. Right. That uh, the shelter in place order happened, and yeah. um, I didn't know what that meant for my my job. You know, yeah. I. And, and I really didn't hear anything for a long time, you know, because it took MLB a while to figure out, you know, what they were going to do. Um, you know, it helped that the NBA, you know, kind of led the way, but there were several weeks there where I was like, and not just what I do, you know, on the field or in the booth, but the TV shows that I had been, that I had been doing for two seasons the forever giants TV series, that was oh, yeah. gone. And.
1: Oh, right. Um, with, yeah. Would you drink wine with the, players and yeah that's right
0: how great a gig is that let me tell you that
1: show yeah thank
0: you Uh, did i mention it's the emmy award-winning series forever
1: giants that's you just did
0: (laughs) I, I, again here's another experience i didn't expect i won an emmy for the show with jeffrey leonard it's just it's crazy but yeah so and and we were gonna start our season premiere was going to be with will clark and i was (sighs) so crushed when, you know, we couldn't do the show anymore. Um, We actually got two shows in, in January uh, with Matt Cain and Nate Shearholtz. And it was, I love them both, but particularly Matt Cain and what he means to the franchise. And, Mm. uh, and it was just, it was a wonderful conversation with him, with both of them. So we did those in January. And then next thing we know, I was supposed to talk to Will Clark in April. So that didn't happen. And then all of the um, events that I do in the community, uh, you know, just so privileged to be able to use my voice at different events and functions and galas, you know, to raise money for organizations and to increase awareness about causes and organizations that mean so much to me. I mean, it's just, I didn't, I didn't see that coming either, but once I, you know, especially after the 2002 world series, when, when, when the uh, MLB hall of fame, you know, acknowledged me as the first woman to public address, announce a professional, any professional sport in a championship game. Right. Now I'm getting all this media attention and all this local attention, and you know it led to me hosting London Greed's historic inauguration, and led to me hosting uh, former fire chief Joanne Hayes White's retirement party. I hosted the U.S. Conference of Mayors uh, when uh, the late Ed Lee was our mayor, and oh. so, you know I've, I've become friends with Madam Speaker Pelosi, and her daughter Christine is a good friend of mine. Is, she serves on the, um, the community fund board and uh, Willie McCovey, may he rest, oh. and he asked me to MC his wedding. I mean, it's all these wow. amazing things. So those things, I was like, well, that is well, that is gone. And, yeah. and I really had a hard time and my gym was closed so I couldn't go out and, you know, work out my, my, uh, my frustrations or anything. And mm-hmm. it was really, really, I'm not gonna lie, a hard time for me and I mentioned my mom's 94. Um, and really concerned about her being isolated mm-hmm. down there in Menlo Park and not being able to see her regularly and everything. So it was really a tough couple of months. And then I started getting requests to do PSAs and, and especially encouraging minority communities to, you know, if you can stay home, social distance, where you, you know, just, just kind of encouraging everybody to get on board with what we need to do, you know, right. to get through this. Um, so, I started doing a lot of those, and I remember we had a sing-along celebrating uh, "I Left My Heart in San Francisco," and all of a sudden, I'm doing all of these these videos and you know virtual things. So it started to pick up, and but then once once the season um, was about to begin, it, it which we, we just got into it. I mean, there was like really no ramp up. It was like just time, you know, it's time to come to the ballpark. And unfortunately, a lot of our crew uh, was laid off. Um, the the PA booth and the control room and all the broadcasting booths, we now have like plastic shower curtains, you know, separating us and, yeah. you know, plastic partitions and everything. And and uh, the the hardest part for me though, was walking into the ballpark and not seeing all of the security guards and the ushers that I've gotten to know over the years. And then yeah. walking past the empty concession stands. Concession, yeah. uh, it was just, it, it was heartbreaking for a number of reasons, but particularly, These are people that I've gotten to know so well over the years and they have lost their jobs. So Mm -hmm. it was very emotional. And it was only 30 games, Jeff, but it felt like we played a full season because of the pandemic and then George Floyd's murder and black lives matter. It was just so much emotion. It was such a heaviness that it felt like more than, more than 30 games, but um, it was challenging.
1: That might be a good segue because it was, prior to the resumption or the I guess the beginning of games right was because um, games didn't start until July is that right? That's
0: right into July.
1: Mm-hmm. So late May, early June was the uprising and um, I know because I follow you and I know who you are, I know that your your voice was active right away. Can I ask you to talk about um, then once baseball did resume the reaction that you were seeing from, especially the manager and some of the players and the organization. I know uh, Farhan is pretty vocal. Um, what what was that experience like for you?
0: Yeah, well, first of all, it was, um, I felt that it took MLB and the Giants way too long to issue a statement. Yep. You know, denouncing the killing of unarmed black folks. Um, I felt like it was like eight eight days maybe and Um, and then finally I I tweeted out to MLB. I was like, where are you? I don't see you. I don't hear you. This is the league of Jackie Robinson for crying out loud. What's Mm -hmm. going on? Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, Jeff, I started getting all again, all this media attention. I was doing interviews nationwide and, you know, because I, because I spoke up and people are like, well, it's so courageous of you to speak up, but I would not be my father's daughter if I, you know, if I didn't speak up and, and, and not just, not just the black lives matter movement, which they were you know, totally on board with, but um, also once again, drawing attention to the lack of diversity in the sport
1: mm-hmm.
0: and particularly here with the giants, no black players, no black coaches right. and don't even get me started on the front office. Right. So I was like, well, I'm, I'm going all in now I'm going all in. And I, you know, I felt a responsibility. I, I represent the community. I also represent the black community. And I don't mean this to sound to like hype myself up, but I am the black face of this organization yeah. since we don't have any players or coaches. Right. And I I knew that that came with a big responsibility, and I and I couldn't be quiet. And you know, I took some hits on social media, which I totally expected, but for the most part just unbelievably overwhelming support. And awesome. I, I I had multiple conversations with Larry after George Floyd's murder and, you know, having these conversations that I've been trying to have with him for 20 years. Yeah. And we have since established, we always had a good relationship, but now we talk very frequently. He makes sure that he checks in with me, you know, every two weeks and, and uh, updates me on what's going on there. I update him on what's going on with our black employees resource group and what the community is saying to me when I go out and do my events and sharing that with him and, it's, it's been really great because I, I told him after that initial conversation in June, it's like, you know, if you guys, if you guys are in this, I need you to be all in. I don't need it to be one game. I don't need it to be one season and I will be holding you all accountable.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: I have continued to do so up until just recently when we had the controversy yet again with one of our principal owners, Charles right. Johnson. So right. I'm continuously working on that battle. So my plate is full.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I'm not rapping, but I want to thank you for those efforts because, um, you know, it's hard when when there's an organization or a team that you that you love so much for 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 entertainment reasons or right for leisurely reasons, and you just want them to do the right thing. And um, yeah. so, so, thank you for fighting that fight from the inside. Oh, thank thank you for saying that. I've been and let it be known. I've been fighting that fight since I got there
0: in two thousand because I was like, there are no there are no black people here. There, I don't see a lot of women in management. I don't see a you know a a lot of representation from the Hispanic community, and and that's also a battle I've been fighting since radio. I mean, again, I am my father's daughter. So Mm -hmm. see something, you speak up and say something
1: work to do a lot of work yeah absolutely
0: absolutely no matter how many hits i might take along the way it is the right thing to do and i'm totally at peace with everything i've done and i want to give a quick shout out to gabe kapler who i've also established a great relationship with and um because obviously you know his hire was controversial and (laughs) was not really popular (laughs) but that night when we were playing the oakland a's and he took that knee yep i can't i'm getting now. Me
1: too, Renell It got me back. Like I'm not saying I left the Giants, but I was with everything that was going on last year. In the middle of summer, I was like, I didn't know I needed that distraction. And so right. Aaron and I turned that game on, and we were. I was like, holy expletive, Aaron!
0: <laughs> I was like, Come I know, with this. I know. I I did. I did not see that guy, I and mean, it wasn't just him. It was Pablo. Players, yeah. It was Austin Slater. Yep. It was Yastrzemski. Yeah. It was Mauricio Dubon and it was Jalen Davis until he got sent to Sacramento. But I was like, this is phenomenal. So I tweeted at Gabe. He and I was like, thank you for this. This means so much. You have no idea. He tweets me back and says, thank you for all that you do. So he was very well aware of my contributions and, and what I and my position in the community and with the Giants. And from there, we just developed a really a uh, wonderful relationship. He helped me out off season with a, a couple of my nonprofits, and Great. he was wearing his Black Lives Matter t shirt. So yeah. um, it it's, it was a real it was a real gift to to get to know him on, on that level, and just so grateful. And he comes from activists. His parents were activists, so you oh, know he comes know. from it. Honest, we we both do, so we connect on that level as well.
1: Oh, that's awesome! I didn't know that. Um, yeah. Ranelle, I want to end on a quick high note. I just, before we started recording, I happened to see a tweet from you. Something about having fans back at the ballpark. Is that a thing? Oh, that
0: <laughs> we are so trying to make it a thing. In yeah. fact, uh, Larry was on the news. Larry Bear was on the news. I think maybe it was Wednesday. And, you know, I was saying it's looking and encouraging with, you know, the the vaccine rollout, how it's expanding and the fan safe program, which you can go to and find out all about uh, the safety protocols and what we are doing to make it as safe as possible for fans and how things are going to be different. You'll be sitting in pods, you know, and um, you know, your food will be delivered to you. It's going to be a whole, a whole new ball game. If i if I may, uh, oh, good <laughs> <one. Good laughs>
1: sorry, way. that was horrible. <laughs> I apologize for that. Nope. But we, yeah, this, it's this not, podcast it's not, loves dad jokes. That was the good one.
0: <laughs> It's not etched in stone yet, but that right. is the hope that we will have some percentage of fans uh opening day and I I hope and pray because I miss the fans so much. I miss yeah. their energy. I miss the relationships that I built with them, the ones that sit in section 214 right in front of me all these mm-hmm. years. And uh, and and they they were so gracious and kind to reach out to me and say It's great to hear your voice on the radio or through the telecast, because it's bringing us a welcome distraction and it's giving us um, a sense of normalcy. So I felt really honored under last year's circumstances to be able to give that to the fan base.
1: Okay, I lied one more minute I want (laughs) to, I want to hear your reaction too because. Michelle and I, this is uh, episode one of our fourth season of the the podcast. We have themes for each season, and something we're kind of uh, kind of coalescing around for this upcoming season is the idea of regrowth and regeneration and you know something wh- whatever we're gonna do, it's it's gonna be new and this you know, building the city up from from what is, ha- is ha- it has been. Um, can you speak to? Your thoughts on that idea of, you know, what what's next for for us here in the Bay Area and San Francisco?
0: Well, this is uh, I'm so proud to be a resident and a citizen of the Bay Area my whole life. Um, not that it hasn't been with its challenges, but ultimately, this is a this is a community that that rallies back. Yeah. Um, the the 06 earthquake, the Loma Prieta earthquake after 9-11. I mean, uh, and Michelle and I were talking today about we we hope when everything does get back to uh, new normal, normal whatever, that um, we both were saying how that we hope that people will continue to stop and smell the roses and that we hope that this experience has given everybody a chance to slow down and appreciate the things that we have taken for granted for so long. Yeah, you know, like I haven't hugged my mother in a year. I could cry right now. Oh man, um, you know, and just, just really not, not picking up that crazy pace that we all had before this. Yeah, and that we've learned to appreciate the smaller things that really mean mean the most to us in life. Um, that that is my hope, and then again to build us back, you know, stronger than ever as we've done so many times before in the history of the Bay, Bay Area, but. It is my hope that we all don't get back to you know, running ourselves ragged and you know keeping, keeping the phones in our hands all the time. You know what I mean? Hey, and, uh, I hear you We just, just have a new appreciation for life and and for living here in this this wonderfully progressive community. That that is, that is my hope.
1: That was Rennell Brooks Moon. Next week on Storied San Francisco. Get to know comedian Arthur Gauss. Music for the podcast was produced, performed, and curated by Otis McDonald. Original photography is by Michelle Kilfeather. Aaron Lim of Bitch Talk Podcast is our contributing producer. The show is produced and hosted by me, Jeff Hunt. Now in our fourth season, we have nearly 150 episodes available on our website, storiedsf.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you can, subscribe, rate, and review our show so that we can reach even more folks. And if you'd like to drop us an old-fashioned email, we'd love it. The address is storiedsf at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Stay safe, stay strong, stay healthy, and we'll see you next time.